Welcome to the Holy City Hoops podcast. We are coming down to the end of the regular season, but we are very much still in the thick of things. Three home games last week, the three final home games of last week, I should say. Three games coming up this week, all on the road, plus that final game next Monday at Hofstra. And then we're into March. Then it's March Madness. This is the end of the regular season. So much to discuss on today's show with our guest, Mr. Harrison Bown. It was a one and two week for Charleston. Their best player is out with a knee injury. The final standings are taking shape. We have so much to get to in today's show. But before I get into that, with Saturday being the final home game of the regular season, I just want to say big shout out to the College of Charleston fan base. TD Arena was a great atmosphere all year. There's still some home games to be played, but if you look at the numbers, Charleston is in a class by themselves in terms of attendance numbers with the rest of the CAA. From the opening weekend to the UNC game to conference play where the team's youth kind of started to show, the Our City vibe is definitely real. I know fans will grumble about the student section or the mask mandates. The data is very clear. CFC draws a better home crowd than UNCW than Towson, than Hofstra, the top three teams in the league. The only school that comes close, the only one that averages over 4,000 fans per game like Charleston does, is JMU, who is leaving the conference and just opened a brand new massive arena last year. This was the first year fans could attend. So hats off to the fans, the students, the alumni for making the six a big-time environment. I'm really proud of that. Great job. Just wanted to shout that out. All right, let's roll into today's podcast. All right, Harrison, we got three games this past week to go through. Drexel, JMU, Towson. We'll start with Drexel, but off the bat, how are you doing, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, always happy to come talk about the Cougars. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't, wasn't a great run this week, but uh, looking forward to recapping it all. Let's get into it, man. Let's start with the win. Charleston over Drexel on Valentine's Day. That was last Monday. 79-75, needed a win coming off that UNCW loss, got a win at the end of the day. But we started to see a trend that would kind of show up the other two games as well, was that this team can really bleed points. Uh, they had a late lead against Drexel, let it slip, but luckily Coltrane Washington uh, misses the first of these three free throws with no time on the clock that would have tied the game. Cougars escape with a win. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been that resounding theme all year of get a big lead and then find a way to blow it late in the game and so it was nice to see them find a way to, to pull it out I think that was a big win I mean Drexel's a good team and a team that we're going to be fighting with for position yeah. in the conference tournament um, but I was really glad that they found a way to win granted it took Drexel missing a couple free throws but there, there was definitely some some highlights in that um, in that game I mean Ferrar obviously looked great and, and had some some great little spurts and and so there, mm -hmm. there's definitely some highlights of the game but i was just glad they were able to to pull it out after that uncw loss you know they got off to another slow start the cougars did i think they were down 8-0 and then they were down 13-4 to pretty early which was yeah. not what you were expecting you know coming off a loss i would have loved to see the cougars you know come out of the gate swinging yeah was not the case but it's kind of been the the norm for this this team recently i was gonna say it was kind of ugly early too i mean you got basically no scoring for like the first three minutes of the game yeah it was kind of ugly missing shots and we kind of saw that throughout the end of the week too with cougars kind of missing some easy open threes and easy layups so it's 
been a little bit of a, a funk this week for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, that's was kind of the story of all three games. Um, but they do crawl back into this one. I think they made it like 21-17 at a media timeout in the first half. And then they rip off this run. It was a 20-4 to run, I think, to close the half. But at one point, it was 17-0. Yeah. And it was one of those stretches where we've seen, we saw it against Northeastern at home. We saw it in the home opener against SC State where like everything is going right and the offense looks unstoppable and guys are sprinting and hitting threes and moving the ball around and everything looks great. And Drexel, I mean, Drexel seemed to really be on their heels. JMU and Towson were not as phased by the up-tempo style as I, as I thought Drexel was. Um, and like you mentioned, Nick Farrar as he's done in that Hofstra game and against Elon, he pops off the bench, scores like eight straight points. He finished with a team-high 17 points in just 15 minutes of playing time, was gunning and making shots. Uh, he he looked great in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think at one point in that 24 run, he had like eight straight points or so in that. And um, yep. like you said, I mean, what he's given us off the bench right now, and I think it's, it's easy to forget that he is technically still a freshman. And to see the transformation he's done with his body and his game this year, I'm really excited to see, you know, what he's going to be able to give us next year, but also through the end of this year, as it kind of feels like he's coming into his own. I think if he's not the top three point scorer on the team, if he hasn't surpassed Tucker, he's definitely up there. I mean, yeah. he can make shots, especially jump shots. Yeah. And he's a good matchup in the CAA. The thing we joked about is just the consistency. Yeah. I mean, he'll he'll give you 20 <laughs> and then zero and then 17 and then zero and then three points and then 15 points. And that's, I think, I think a lot of that's, you know, being a young player and not having the experience of playing a full season, but I'm, I'm hopeful that the inconsistencies won't drag on into the the rest of his career. But I think that um, I mean, what he's been able to give us off the bench, I mean, 17 points in 15 minutes is, is really impressive. And a couple of the games that he's kind of popped off are games that we definitely don't win without him. So he's, he's yeah. stepped up in the biggest moments for us, which has been huge. For sure. I think back to that Elon game where he yeah. scores the final four or whatever it was to, to win that game for Charleston. I mean, they're dead in the water. So Drexel, as we expected, makes this run in the second half. I think they really did that behind Coltrane Washington, who had six threes by himself. Um, the Dragons hit 10 threes in the game, which was almost double what Charleston had. Um, the only players who hit a three, Farrar hit three for Charleston, Smith hit two, and Tucker hit one. That was all the production from behind the arc. So Drexel charges back. Charleston goes up 10 on a Nick Ferrar three with 153 to go. And that is when the missed free throws and the Matador defense kind of started started to trickle in. Uh, I think the, the following sequence after Charleston goes up three, that final two minutes, uh, Amari Williams hits a free throw. Meeks turns it over. Coltrane Washington hits another three. Raekwon Horton misses the front end of a one-on-one. Drexel scores again. Tucker misses the front end of a one-on-one. Cam Winter scores a layup. That's 74-72 within a few seconds, real quick. Yeah. Uh, and then Rain Smith goes to the line with a chance to push it to four, and he misses the second of the two free throws. I think it was his first missed free throw since, like, Thanksgiving. So nothing going right for Charleston down the stretch. Then Raekwon Horton fouls Coltrane Washington behind the arc with a second to play. And like we mentioned... Thankfully, he he misses that first one and Charleston escapes. Yeah, kind of like what you were saying, the Matador defense, and then it feels like all year we've just missed clutch free throws when we when you could 
put a game away. Yeah. You know, and you're up, what was it, 11, like right after the half or right at the halftime. And so it's like mm-hmm. you're up 11, like, and it's a young team. So it's, you, you expect them to learn from it. But it's like if you can stretch that to 15 or 16 points, then if you do bleed a little bit and have a couple runs, now it's still a six or seven point game and you're not really worried about blowing it. Um, but it just kind of feels like we haven't been able to put teams away and kind of gotten lazy with our defense at times. And then also just taking some bad shots and, and then missing easy free throws. It's like a, a calamity of errors, but um, I mean, we, we snuck out of here with a win, which is huge. I think, especially looking at how close we are to Drexel in the standings and having yeah. a chance to go up there and beat them next week and, you know, potentially have the same record and, and maybe get a one seed better, but yeah, it's just like at times late in the second half, it's almost like we just kind of fall into a lull where we quit playing smart basketball and all of a sudden that 11 point lead's gone and it's a two point game with two minutes to go, you know? And I think even yeah. in this game, it was like not, it was like a nine point game with like two and a half minutes to go. And it's, you can't, yeah. you cannot blow those leads. Like you've just got to find a way to hit your free throws, get easy buckets and, and, uh, keep keep the team at nine or ten points i i do think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we don't really have a true point guard i think that that's something that hurts us almost game in and game out in late game situations you don't have that one true floor general that can handle the ball step up and hit free throws get people good shots etc yeah and i don't want to dwell too much on the the blown lead here because we're going to talk about it in the game (laughs) that charleston actually lost against towson um but I agree with you. I think a guy who can step up and get you a basket when you need it or make free throws is, is still kind of missing from this team. Yep. But it is a lot of youth, and we've seen this happen all year. And Pat Kelsey talked, I think, after the Towson game. The only way the young guys are going to learn from this is to live it. Yeah, I mean, I to go through it. And that's something I've talked with a lot of, of fans and stuff at, at games is, I mean, you look at our, our roster and we're playing like five freshmen are getting anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes a game. So it's like, this is only going to make them better. I mean, they're only freshmen and they're giving us some key contributions. And so by the time they're sophomores and juniors and seniors, we could have a really, really dangerous team. Yeah, exactly. Uh, doesn't mean it doesn't hurt when it happens, but <laughs> it still hurts. <laughs> at least, at least there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Charleston needed a win. They got it. Uh, they were neck and neck with Drexel in the standings from like the five, six range when this game was played. So you get your first win over Drexel so that they're not going to get the sweep over you, which is the first tiebreaker. That's a good thing. So good to get that win. You stay a game up of William & Mary, Northeastern, and Elon for the play-in that you want to avoid. So that's great. Uh, in addition to Nick playing really well, he was 7 for 10, 3 for 4 from 3. I mean, he was absolutely cooking. Uh, Rain Smith has a nice bounce-back game. He had a couple of contests on the road where he really struggled, but he had 15 in this one. Meeks... 13 points, four rebounds, five assists, just one turnover, although it was that that late one. And I thought Babakar Fai had a pretty solid week. Um, wasn't great in the JMU game. Nobody really was. But in this one, he had nine points, uh, three for four, hit his three free throws, three rebounds, played 19 minutes. Uh, and he had a nice game against Towson as well. So nice to see the the reemergence of Babakar Fai. Yeah. It seemed like he had kind of gone missing for a couple games here. No, I agree. It felt like we were watching kind of his early season production kind of be backward. He's, you know, able to get a big stop on one end and take it down the other end, get a good shot or drive to the basket. So I agree. It kind of felt like he was starting to reemerge, which was, which is a good thing to see. And I I think all freshmen kind of hit that wall most of the time, unless you're just, you know, a stud at a power five. But I think most of the guys at this level are, are 
bound to hit a wall at some point and then hopefully reemerge. And so if he continues to play like that through the end of this year, I think it'll be really helpful for us in the tournament. All wins are tough. So happy Charleston got this one. Put this one in their pocket. Let's move on to the JMU game. I'll start with you. You were at this game, right? Yep. So what, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, I thought Morse came out for them firing on all cylinders. I mean, I think he had two or three big threes and was, you know, chirping with the fans a little bit and had some, you know, had really what, 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 could you catch any of it what i didn't you catch any of it but he was definitely like chirping a little bit with some of the guys on the sideline okay. let, letting it be known and um he came out with energy and, and you kind of expect that out of jamie it's byington's you know first time back in charleston and yeah i'm sure that there was some extra motivation there for these guys to get him a win and it's also you know jmu's in a way has a has a target on their back just because of all the stuff that's gone down with the conference and them leaving and not being allowed to play and tournaments stuff like that so you know, there's that aspect of it as well. Um, but I thought he came out firing. Um, I thought kind of similar to what we talked about in all these games. We get down early. I think it was like 10 to 4 at one point. Um, missed a lot of easy threes. They were good looks. Um, but they were, you know, just missing those and missing a couple easy layups. And I, I thought that the little matchup zone that JMU uh, played gave us a little bit of trouble early on just – getting into an offense and getting a rhythm. I felt like we got too many times where it was late shot clock and you're just kind of throwing up a shot. Yeah. I felt like we settled down later in the game. It just, I, I just felt like we kept missing in big layup and open threes time and time again, where it's like, man, if you just find a way to finish that or hit that open three, I think the game could have gone the other way. Charleston was like, you know how we go through those stretches where our offense looks like trash and we don't get anything going. What if we did that for an entire game? Yeah. What if we just did that? <laughs> That, yeah. that was what this game felt like. The shooting splits were muy feo, yeah. if, I, if I can. Very ugly. Uh, 31% from the field, 19% from three, 59% from the line. They took 75 shots in this game, Charleston did. 36 threes. Like, yeah. absurd numbers, and you still an, you still end the game with an Earl Grant special of 63 <laughs> points. Yeah, it, it just kind of like it, we definitely settled into the zone and it felt like we were getting really good looks like towards the middle. I mean, towards once we got like settled, like mid first half or so, we were getting some good looks. But man, I, I quit counting at like probably 11 or 12 like layups that were just easy. Yeah. Like you make those all the time. And then threes, you know, it's like a kick out, extra pass. It's good rotation. I mean, I think Tucker probably had three or four that weren't went down and out. And so, <clears throat> I mean, we just couldn't couldn't hit a shot to save our lives it felt like at times yeah i think that's what was so frustrating it reminded me of the game at towson where pat kelsey jumped on the post game with ev and he was like we just got to put the ball through the basket like at the end of the day like we can get all all the offensive rebounds we want all the free throw attempts we want take care of the ball but we gotta we gotta just score yeah i believe this was the fewest points charleston scored in caa play too yeah. And I, and I think you have to give Jamie credit too, because when we came up with big plays, like the alley-oop to Burnham and some of those other big plays, yeah. Jamie always had an answer. Like they did a yep. great job of answering the entire night. We had a big three, they came down and hit a big three. If we tied it up, they'd come down and hit a layup to take the lead. It was like every time you thought we were going to get rolling and, and the crowd would get on their feet, they found a way to kill the energy and, and score a big bucket. We had the, the Brennan Tucker reverse layup to tie it yeah. i think jmu came and scored and then we had the chuck lampton dunk and one misses the free throw that would have given charleston lead yeah. jmu comes back and scores just killers yeah. momentum killers 
but you still take 12 more shots than JMU did. You take more free throws. You turn it over less. You double them up in offensive rebounds, 24 to 12. You out-rebound them, 49 to 43. JMU really destroyed Charleston in the paint, I thought. They seemed to be hunting those matchups that would put a bigger player on Rain Smith or Brendan Tucker and just or, or even just beat OC or Chuck down the court and, and yeah. score a layup. Those were, were easy buckets for JMU. It's funny, like, like you're saying, they definitely took advantage of us in the paint, but we our offensive rebounding was outstanding that game. I mean, I don't know what the final tally was, but we obviously out-rebounded them, you know, by, by a yeah. ton. And it's like we would – every other possession it was we got an offensive rebound, missed the layup, or offensive rebound, kicked out for a wide-open three, missed the three. And so it's yeah. like we had all these opportunities, like you said, taking all those shots and just could not get anything to fall. And then time and time again, when we would have a big basket – Jamie comes down, hits a layup or beat. Like you said, there's at least one time, I think maybe it was on the Tucker layup where hit a big basket and then they beat, I forget if it was Ussie or, yeah. or lamped it down the court and they get a layup and take the lead back. And so yeah. it's like every time we felt like we were starting to claw back and make moves, they just, they killed it. Charleston led for a total of 17 seconds in this game. They got it close, tied it up a couple of times, never got over the hump. And I think what was so frustrating is, I mean, Charleston was favored in this game. JMU is their own mess because of the conference realignment stuff, but Charleston was was favored to win. And I didn't think JMU played particularly great. Uh, you know, it's not like they shot the lights out themselves yeah. or turned Charleston over. I mean, it was a very winnable game. And Charleston just kind of lays an egg by not being able to put the ball through the basket. We should mention, uh, this was the game John Meeks comes in yeah. with a giant brace on his knee Gives it a go that first half, played nine minutes, took one shot, missed, turned the ball over, and sat the rest of the time. Yeah. Uh, he did not look comfortable or fluid at all out there. So that's a, that's a big loss. You can tell in one of the possessions in the first half, um, he tweaked it on defense and then took him a while to get down the court. And then it was like the very next time out, he was checked out and you didn't see him again. And, and you could tell that something, whatever it is, is bothering him with that knee. Yeah, I think the story was he bumped it against somebody in practice and he's day-to-day obviously he didn't play in the Towson game so need to get him back and healthy because you you felt his loss for sure in this one but yeah I I didn't think JMU played like an outstanding game the game was there for the taking and that's that's the most frustrating part yeah I agree if you feel like if CFC played like they've played some of these other games um you know, or like the Towson game we probably win you know if you can score 70 in the JMU game you're probably winning that you know so yeah. I agree. It's it's frustrating to to lose one like that where we probably should have been able to take advantage of it and get another win and then have a chance at fighting for an even better spot in the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're in like the four or five yeah. matchup instead. Also without Meeks, you don't get that surprise game from Farrar. I think he had three in this game. Yeah. You don't get the big game from Fi. OC struggled. You know, everyone was inefficient, like I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. And that just that just really hurts. Uh, Demetrius Underwood was maybe one of the only highlights. He had 14 points and 12 rebounds. For a lot of the game, he was the only guy who had more than one made shot. I think the, the entire first half. But when he's when you're going to him for all your production, that's probably not a great sign. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, especially given that he's not the the best shooter outside. I mean, I think he did actually hit one three in this game. Um, but you know, he he was getting into the lane, and it's like nobody else was open. And then when he would kick it to him, they were missing either an easy layup yeah. or, I mean, he was, he was a huge factor for us even being close in this. Cause like you said, it felt like he was the only guy kind of bringing it and being able to hit shots, but 
just didn't get enough help from some other guys and, and, you know, Meeks going out definitely hurt whatever is wrong with his knee, obviously hurt us and, and him not being able to give you that five or six points or maybe even 10. And so it was, it's just kind of a tough one to lose at home, especially being that it's your final home stretch of the year. Tucker, 11 points, pretty hard earned. I think three for 11 from the field. Burnham had a solid night, eight points, 10 rebounds. He had that dunk, which was awesome. Yeah. Chuck had a good game outside of that missed the missed free throws, eight points, six rebounds. He had to play some extended minutes, but again, just uh, not enough production and not enough efficiency uh, across the board, which stinks. Anything else from this one? No, I think think that's about it. I was uh, ready to put it behind me the moment I left the arena Thursday. It was uh, yeah. it was a tough game to watch. <laughs> but wait, there was one more game this week. <laughs> First place, Towson, who ripped uncw a new one at trask a couple days prior looks like the best team in the league they come down to charleston for senior night uh what do you remember from your senior night uh we had we had uncw uh almost one there at the end um we felt like we had a good good matchup with them and obviously got to play a couple minutes early in the game and they got a couple minutes late in the game because of some foul trouble and stuff but uh it was uh it would have been nice to get it's kind of like this game like it was down to the wire i think we ended up losing by like three or four and it's one of those games you're like it's very similar because towson we think is probably the best team in the league at that yeah. time uw was the best team in the league and it was like you felt like you were good enough to beat them and play with them you were just like a little bit off you know yeah did you get do you get the start your senior night I did yeah make a shot a, i didn't know um <laughs> i actually didn't i didn't have the bart benton um set up mm. for a couple threes early but was kind of, I guess, cool, but also annoying. And, and uh, I don't want to say regret, but something I think back to a lot is late in that game, we were down three and it was, I mean, there was not much time left. And somehow I got kicked the ball in the corner and shot a three and back rimmed it. I mean, it was, I thought it was good when it left my hands and would have mm-hmm. tied the game. And I always think about that shot of like, man, if that would have gone in, would we have gone <laughs> overtime and beaten UNCW, like beat the number one team in the conference, yeah. you know, heading to the conference tournament. So can't dwell on it i know put a little pull a little too much mustard on the shot and just missed this hey, back rim you were pumping too much iron in the gym and, uh, <laughs> shot was a little long exactly um yeah i mean so i was not expecting charleston to <clears throat> keep up with towson in this game especially with no john meeks and yet they're still up 11 yep. in the second half can't hang on towson did what you know the top team in the in the league would do and roars back and, and takes this 180 to 77 yeah i mean it, it i feel like it's the same thing we've just talked about you get up 11 points at some point in the second half and it's like you just gotta find a way to keep that lead and extend it to 12 or 13 or 14 and and get big stops and hit a couple easy baskets and i think that's you know at times our defense hasn't like let us down i would say but it feels like sometimes by us not making shots or not getting good shots on the offensive end, it kind of bleeds out into the other team getting either an easy bucket or us getting kind of, you know, one mental breakdown on defense and then it starts to run. And next thing you know, your 11 point leads down to two and you're in a dog fight with the best team in the conference. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's just a couple little errors throughout the, like that middle part of the second half that it feels like it just gets us every time. Yeah. We've seen them, blow leads every which way all season <laughs> we've seen missing the front end of one and ones we've seen bad defense hacking guys and sending them to the line we've seen turnovers obviously yeah. 
every which way um we had like 19 turners in this game too so like yeah it's it's a little high to beat the best team in the league you know way high way high and uh pep kelsey had some good quotes in his post game where he talked about you know we identify those final you've you've probably heard this and and people listening have probably heard this but he refers to these four minute wars right where it's like he keeps those guys in or a lineup in for four minutes and you go all out for those four minutes and he said the final two wars of the game the final eight minutes is really when we want to be at our best yeah and they were not good in those final eight minutes they had uh four turnovers during that time plus the technical for flopping uh which was uh, a nice little bonus for for charleston to get there they only made four field goals the final 10 minutes which is not a great statistic um, Towson had six offensive rebounds during that stretch and outscored Charleston 20 to 11 down yeah. the, down the home stretch. So yeah, got to find a way to stop the bleeding, got to find a way to get some points on the board, manufacture some points either from the line or hanging onto the ball or, yeah. or playing good defense. And, and, it, and we shot, I mean, we, we missed some easy free throws early in the first half, um, or I should say easy free throws, all free throws should be easy, but the second half did feel like, I think we shot maybe like nine out of 12 from the free throw line in the second half or something like that. So it did feel like we took advantage of that. Um, but then sending Towson the line, whatever it was like 25 times in the second half. I mean, it's just, you yeah. can't, you can't do that and expect to win. It's, that's just, that's really tough to beat. Yeah. Uh, handed, handed Towson 32 free throw attempts. Yeah. Which yeah. is absurd. Yeah. That, that, that <laughs> I think we had turnovers. Think we had like 30. So, I mean, I guess the refs were at least calling it even, but it's still like, yeah, just, but we didn't yeah. shoot great from the line. No. Again, they were sending the wrong people to the line. It was yeah. that. And you know, you get nine from 23 from, from three point line and factor in with the turnovers. It's, it's just, yeah, it's well, they it's they, they like, shot well. I mean, they shot yeah. over 50% for the game, but and that that masked a lot of yeah. mistakes because the turnovers came came to bite them, especially when you have four yeah. over the final final crunch time minutes. And again, I go back, I, I go back to sorry to interrupt, but I go back. I think if if we had a true point guard, whether it's a freshman or not, I think that's like the, the real glaring hole on this team that could fix a lot of these issues is if you had that one point that you could go to the setup plays and control tempo and all that. I think that's just a, a huge thing that we're missing right now. For sure. Um, they tried rain Smith at point guard a little bit in this one. It was a disaster. He had th- yeah. three turnovers. Uh, there was a sequence where it was like an Oklahoma state esque run where Towson was just picking off the ball at the arc. And I think <laughs> they had three straight dunks. It was, it was right after I think Tucker and rain hit back to back threes. Yeah to go up 10 or something then it was just like turnover dunk turnover dunk turnover dunk it's like momentum killers and those sequences where oh. it's just like unravels and there goes your 11 point lead <laughs> yeah there goes your 11 point lead just evaporated like that yeah between the slow starts and the blown leads it's like i think the team is learning what kind of effort is baseline yeah. necessary in the caa like you cannot come out of the gates feeling out the game and you yeah. can't play not to lose late. It's yeah. just, that's something these young players are going to have to learn and they're, they're living it. And I think they're also learning, you know, the CAA is unique and you hear it from people all the time, like, Oh, anybody can beat anybody in this conference, but in the CAA, that's, that's hundred percent true. I mean, I think coming in this year, we all thought Northeastern would be like a top three, you know, top three or 14 yeah. and they're last. And it's like, I wouldn't want to play Northeastern in the conference tournament. You know, I mean, I think these freshmen are slowly learning that, all of these teams can play and beat you. And that's why we tend to have typically four or five teams at the top of the conference 
and it's mayhem in the tournament and it's whoever can find a way to win three games in March. And so, yeah, um, I think as freshmen, they're, they're going through that and they're learning that. I think it's going to be a great learning experience for them. Um, I'm still optimistic that this team's good enough that if we get hot and have some good matchups, who knows, we could go, go up to DC and win it all. Um, but if they come out and have a slow start and play like they have the last couple games, we'd be going home first day, I think. I mentioned this on the pod last week. They haven't lost a game by more than eight points in conference play. Every game has been right there. But the teams they've struggled the most with and the teams at the top of the standings, Towson, UNCW, and Hofstra, are the oldest, most experienced teams. Yeah. And these are the ones who are charging in late to, to wrangle back that lead. I mean, UNCW, I think, is maybe the oldest team in the conference, and that's something we all took for granted when we put them at the bottom of the preseason standings. It's like, yeah, they have three guys in the starting lineup with a thousand career points. Yeah. And Towson brought in a couple grad transfers who are all conference guys last year. So Towson's big, they're experienced, they're tough, and now they have offensive talent as well. So they just uh, took that win. Yeah, that was uh, that's a one you probably thought you were going to lose going into it as a CFC fan, but it's tough to see how well we played and have a lead like that and then blow it. It would have been a, a nice senior day treat and kind of get you ready for this tough road trip coming up. On the positive end, Underwood has another double-double in this one. 21 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. He led the team in all of those. Nick Farrar was good again. 13 points off the bench in this one. Um, Tucker and Burnham were both pretty solid offensively. I think Tucker fouled out. He was looked pretty frustrated. And uh, I wanted to highlight O.C. Smart, last home game for the big Nigerian nightmare, a guy who's been around since the Obama administration. Wow, it's been um, around a long time. He's, this I is saw, his third senior night. I but, saw his uh, senior year plaque, and it said, like, 2017 to, like, 2022. I was like, good. Oh, yeah. He's been there. Oh, for- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think this was finally, finally his last home. I don't think yeah. any more eligibilities coming yeah, through. But, uh, you know, O.C., he's – been here forever he's the last guy from the championship team in 2018 to still be here and you know it just seems like a guy never got into an ounce of trouble worked hard did well academically like just good representation of uh of the program and i think kind of carried learned from jarell and joe and those guys and carried it through for this this young team so shout out to to oc yeah no he had a great a great career and he's like you said he's been nothing but a great representation of of cfc in the program and um who knows we might be talking about this next year for his fourth senior night but uh maybe he's, he's represented this this program well and excited to see what's what's next for him and hopefully we can get him up a couple wins and maybe get him back to the tournament to, to send him off yeah be a nice uh bookend to his to his career uh yeah maybe he can work on like his phd or something keep, <laughs> keep coming back you got anything else from this game nothing on this game um just another tough tough loss blow lead late I, I do think like kind of on the positive and then playing this many freshmen and these this many young guys, like for them to learn from these games like this, I'd love for that learning curve to come in a couple weeks in March and, and find yeah. a way to beat some teams. But I do think this is a huge, uh, a huge positive for them moving forward and growing as a team and, and as players. And I, I, I'm really excited about the future of this, this program and the future of these guys' careers. I mean, I think we're going to have a really good team moving forward. Yeah, we've seen it time and time again. That first class, that freshman class with a new coach takes their lumps, yeah. you know, early on. And then when they're seniors, they're looking a lot, lot better. Yeah. Um, so to zoom out a little bit, uh, the current standings, 
I mean, this game felt very much like a conclusion. There's still four more games for yeah. Charleston. There's like the equivalent of two weeks of games compacted into the final couple of days yeah. of the season. Um, they have to go on the road at Northeastern, at Delaware, at Drexel, at Hofstra. Drexel is fifth at nine and seven. Charleston is sixth right now at six and eight. So you're probably not going to catch Drexel. You definitely have to have that game at Drexel and, and win that and, you know, maybe pull an upset at Northeastern or not. Yeah. You got to win at Northeastern and yeah. pull an upset somewhere else. Yeah, I think at this point you're – I was looking at the standings. It's, it's hard to catch. I don't think it's even possible to catch some of the ones at the top. Um, yeah. But more than anything, it's about keeping yourself at least where you're at so you're not having to play that playing game. And you, if, you have, if you have to play that playing game, it's, it's a nightmare. It's really tough to – to claw from that and win all those games and and find a way into championship or semifinals. So I, I yeah. agree. They, they've got to find a steal somewhere on the road. Yeah. You don't want to go into the tournament on a, what it would be a six game losing streak if they yeah. don't get a game on the road. Um, but I believe they have clinched avoiding the play in. So Northeastern's yeah. one in 14, they have two games left. So even if they win both, they're only at, Three more games. Charleston, William & Mary, and Elon. They can finish 4-14. Four and 14. Uh, So CFC still would have the better record there. William & Mary is at four wins right now, but they have two games remaining, and that's at Northeastern, at Hofstra. Even if they tie Charleston, Charleston has the sweep. So I don't see William & Mary getting to six wins. Maybe they can get to five. So Charleston seems safe there. And then Elon is right behind the Cougars, but they have a really tough closing stretch as well. Um, so it seems unlikely that they're going to past charleston because charleston has the tiebreaker there as well um so it seems like charleston's kind of locked into that six seed um that would play the three seed in the caa quarterfinals which right now is hofstra and that's on the tougher side of the bracket i think you would much rather play delaware and which would be the four seed and uncw versus going through both hofstra and towson yeah um but that may be how the how the cards fall for charleston yeah, I agree. I think Kostra and Towson are probably our two toughest matchups to go against. It feels like, especially after watching that UNCW game uh, a week ago, it felt like you know we could hang with them and play with them. Although you know we go and play like we did against Towson, get an eleven point lead uh, yesterday. It's like, well, if we can find a way to do that again, you know, I mean, it's yeah. the CAA tournament. I think anything's possible. But I, I agree. I think you, for your own sake of confidence and and everything going into the conference tournament, I think. You, you should try to get two wins on the road here. You feel like you're probably going to beat Northeastern. They've had a down year. You feel like yeah. you can probably get that one. I feel like they could probably get Drexel again, in all honesty. Yeah. Uh, watching that They've game. won at Drexel many times before. Yeah. yeah. And so then it's like, okay, well, let's see. Can we still one? And Hofstra's tough. Um, and then I think Delaware's the other one, right? So Delaware's beatable. I mean, beatable. we had a chance to beat them, and yeah. John Meeks got stripped and that, in the first game yeah. of the season. So it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, it's a big it's a big four games to end your your year, especially being on the road. But I think yeah. if you can win a couple and get some things going, I mean, it's a great kind of rallying rallying road trip to get yourself ready for the tournament. Nine days on the road, it's be pretty pretty yeah. brutal for the team. <laughs> I'm with you though. I'm I'm hoping for like two and two yeah. at best. That would be pretty awesome. The standings, you know, aren't totally set yet. Towson and UNCW are still going back and forth for the the regular season title and the number one seed. I think Towson looks like the best team. UNC Wilmington has gotten so lucky all year with, I mean, just the two JMU games, the one on Saturday where they charge back from being down nine to tie that game up. 
Morse, who we know is a, a sniper, misses two free throws that would have iced the game. And then the game at at JMU, they get a buzzer beater. So they've just been so fortunate. They're a good team, but I, I think Towson's the the best team in the league, especially I after agree. seeing them on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. I think Towson's the best, and I think uh, I think they'll probably find a way to to pull it out. UNCW's gotten. I mean, they're a good team, like you said, but they have gotten really lucky down the stretch. And I don't know, I feel like maybe the luck will run out and they'll lose one. Would that be Towson's first regular season conference title since we joined? I don't know. I mean, they had they had that one really good year. Um, Benjamin. They yeah, were they had really Benjamin. I don't know if they were the, the one seed, though. Yeah, I don't think they did. Yeah, it I mean. It feels like they're always like that two, three, four and never yeah. can't quite get the the one seed. That'd be interesting. And they world. always they always seem to disappoint in the tournament. Yeah. I think Pat Scary has like a losing record in the tourney. Yeah. Um, but if Towson wins, that's got to be like the seventh different winner in eight years or something like that. I mean, <laughs> UNCW, Charleston, Northeastern, Drexel, Hofstra. Yeah. yeah, it's tough league, like you said. Yeah. Top to bottom. Very competitive. All right, man. Well, I hope the Cougars can get one of these games on the road, if not two. And we'll see how they finish the home stretch because this is uh, this is going to be it for college basketball pretty soon here, um, unless your team yeah. goes deep into March. So, like you said, hopefully they turn things around and get hot during the tournament, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think no matter what happens, it's been a great learning experience for them this year, and I think the freshmen have grown and uh, I'm excited where the future is, but like you said, it's not done yet. And the, the fun thing about being a fan of this team is they're good enough to go win it all. I mean, you, you feel like you have a chance to go into the tournament and win it all, which we haven't been able to say that every year yeah. in the past. So um, it'll be exciting to see what they can do down the final stretch of the regular season and then get into the tournament. And at that point, I will say this all. shout out to the uh, home attendance. I mean, for a team that is, trying to stay yeah. out of the play-in to have a sellout your final home game and sell out multiple games throughout the year that's really impressive so the pat kelsey effect is real and i yeah. think no, the fans, fans are yeah the fans have been incredible i mean i it's been even the students too i mean student support's been great the fans have been great i mean i think i saw we had like five thousand some there yesterday is that right so i mean it's they've done a, a great job and i think i think the fans see it i think it's a, a fun brand of basketball to watch but i also think they can see that we're, we're building something special and that these guys are going to be really good just give them time to mature and learn how to play with each other i mean it's their first year for like 13 of these guys playing with each other so it's going to be a it's going to be a fun team to watch moving forward but we're not dead yet and i think we got a a good shot at making some noise in the tournament harrison thanks for rolling through man appreciate it absolutely thanks for having me all right.